The next case is also Massimo Corporation v. Apple, 2022, 
of choices, and one would simply choose one choice. There's a universe of potential designs. Also, Apple's expert relied on primarily on Osaki to try to provide some opinion about what these shapes would be. But Apple's expert testified he, he couldn't even describe or explain the dimensions of Osaki. And so we believe that that testimony is unsupported, and we know that unsupported expert testimony is not substantial evidence. And if you look at the board's opinion, which is, is fairly short on this issue, we just don't think that the board's opinion is supported by substantial evidence that it would have been obvious to create a protrusion with these particular protrusion heights. It's, it's certainly in view of Apple's expert testimony that there's many options, um, in view of the fact that he relied on Osaki that he couldn't even describe the shape of. Um, we think that shows it's not supported by substantial evidence. And if Your Honor has more questions. I do, actually. Yes. That was perfect. I'm glad you asked. Okay. So it seems like, at least in IPR 1713, uh, Dr. King's declaration cited to a patent. Is it the 513 patent? Which he then said describes a protrusion on a biological measurement device that causes a subject's tissue to deform by a depth of about 2 to 20 millimeters. Do you agree that that was also something that was being relied on with respect to this whole uh, protrusion heights issue? Um, I certainly don't think that constitutes substantial evidence for the fact that these particular heights um, would provide the benefit that the patent teaches. And, um, and I think... You know, in particular, when the board didn't even address Apple's experts' testimony that there's a universe of potential design choices, and the fact that you know, he, in our view, he primarily relied on Osaki, and Osaki couldn't explain the the dimensions there. Um, when you have claims that provide this substantial improvement in the art, our view is that an expert with those claim ranges in front of him simply provides testimony. Um, that those claims, those claim ranges would have been obvious, um, especially in view of all of his other testimony. We don't think that provides substantial evidence support. Now, unless your honor has more questions, if I can move on to parallel data streams. So in this issue, we have some unique claims directed to parallel connected detectors, and we believe that the court should reverse the board's decision on those claims because the board premises analysis on starting with an Aizawa embodiment that had four detectors and choosing to add a second ring of four detectors, even though Aizawa itself already has an eight-ring embodiment of detectors. So rather than starting with Aizawa's existing embodiment with eight sensors, the board arbitrarily found a person of skill in the art to start with the four, uh, with Aizawa's four-ring uh, uh, detectors, and that a second ring spaced further away from the LED. Uh, the board relied on a motivation to increase signal strength and improve power consumption, but the board ignored Apple's expert's admission that, quote, to produce the same likely waveform and do with a reduction in power from the LEDs, uh, slight skip, there's more signal available in the region close to the center versus out at the end. So there was no dispute that the far ring of detectors would receive less signal. The board then reasoned that, that connecting the second stream in parallel would compensate for the relative decrease in light that reaches the outer ring. But that's a problem created by the first, first step 
that the board said would be taken by a person of skill in the art. In other words, a person of skill in the art would add a second outer ring of detectors. Undisputed, they would receive less light. So the solution would be to connect the two rings in parallel to compensate for the decrease in light at the outer ring, provide more power, which of course would lead to other issues like noise and complexity. And so, you know, under in Renuvasive, the board needs to provide a rational connection between the facts it finds and the choices it makes. And we simply think the board's analysis here, you know, uh, starting with Aizawa, ignoring the eight, eight detector embodiment, adding a second farther ring further away from the LED, and then connecting it in parallel to compensate for the decrease in power, uh, we don't think that is supported by substantial evidence. We don't think that is a rational uh Connect, there's a rational connection between the, what the board found and the choices that the board made. Wasn't there something pointed to by either the expert or the board about pointing in this regard to Mendelssohn? Mm -hmm. And there's a table in Mendelssohn that gives reasons why the, it would be optimal, right? Yes. Um, Apple's expert relied on, I believe it was Mendelssohn 799. Is that Mendelssohn 2003? Well, Mendelssohn 2003 was the reference actually being used to... Um, to change Aizawa. But, Middleton, but when it came time to explain why a person of skill in the art would see a benefit to adding a second ring in Aizawa, um, Apple's expert relied on Mendelssohn 799, but it was undisputed that the benefits you see from Mendelssohn 799 were from individual detectors, not detectors connected in parallel. Um, now, Apple's expert also relied on Mendelssohn 2003. Right. Yeah. And, and our view, and we know from you know cases like. Well, why don't I just ask the question? Sure. Do you agree that Mendelssohn 2003 discloses that the two rings of detectors are each parallelly connected? Sorry, could you repeat that question? Do you agree that Mendelssohn 2003 discloses that the two rings of detectors are connected in parallel? We do agree that Mendelssohn 2003 discloses that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to Mendelssohn 2003, we know that, for, of course, conclusory expert testimony is not substantial evidence. We know that expert testimony that contradicts a reference is not substantial evidence. And when you look at Mendelssohn 2003, and you look at Mendelssohn 2003 as a whole, what Mendelssohn 2003 is doing is performing experiments to determine you know, whether a wider range, a larger photodetector region, would be an improvement. And so he connected the detectors in two different rings in parallel, in part because the detectors were so big they wouldn't fit in one ring like in Aizawa. But he did it so he could experiment on you know, what, what the impact would be if he just used one ring set of rings, sorry, sorry, one ring or both sets of rings. And when you get to the conclusion of Mendelssohn, what this all points to is Mendelssohn says in a, in a functional, actual physiological sensor, the goal is to provide a single large area of detection. And so we don't think a person of skill in the art, starting with Aizawa, who wants to improve light concentration, would first of all ignore Aizawa's eight ring embodiment and choose to start with the four, four, sorry, eight detector embodiment, start with the four detector embodiment, and then look to Mendelssohn 2000, um, the Mendelssohn reference, to um, then connect the two in parallel. Uh, we just don't think that that's a reasonable interpretation of that reference. We don't think that... But you understand why this is, seems to be a challenge, given where our case law is on motivation to combine. I mean, we are talking about what's in the various references. There's a finite amount of choices. 
and there's no teaching away argument made. And so we're talking about it might have some drawbacks, it might have some pluses. It's it's a little different than our the cases that you may want to rely on in terms of failure to find the motivation. Well, what I would say is, um, you know, in, in particular when it comes to the parallel data streams, when you have these two different steps, I think we need to look at the board's actual analysis and the path that it took to arrive at these claims. I mean, Massimo Spec teaches the advantage of having parallel detected, parallel connected detectors and the algorithms to calculate that and the inventive improvement from that. And so when you're going back and starting with Aizawa, ignoring the eight, eight detector embodiments, starting with the four detector embodiment, adding a second one farther away from the center because you want to improve light concentration, which doesn't make much sense. And then connecting them in parallel because there is a reference that did that for experimental purposes but teaches that they should be used together. Um, we think that, that there's not a rational connection between those facts and the board's conclusion. We don't think there's substantial evidence support for what the board did. Um, this, that analysis, uh, in our view, makes, makes little sense. And I will I have two housekeeping questions. Oh, sure. Stay quiet for a second. Do you agree that if we find there's a motivation to combine the references based on improving adhesion, there's no need to address the motivation to improve detection efficiency? Um, I'm not sure about the answer to that question. I think there's particular uh, claim limitations here that are necessary to be satisfied, and so I think that's why the board engaged in this analysis of having two different rings of detectors. When you stand back so, up, if you change I, I will confirm, but I believe the answer is, is no. I have one more. Yes. So let me get to the second one. The second one is, do you agree with Apple's argument that for IPR 1733, even if we agree that the board erred, we need to remand for the board to make a finding on other combinations of references that the board instituted but did not decide on? Um, we agree that the board didn't reach those issues. However, as far as remand, I think you can tell from the record, um, because you can certainly tell from the record in the first appeal and the second appeal that there's not substantial evidence support for that conclusion. And when this court, from its own review of the record, concludes the board could not reach that decision, there's not a path given the evidence, then the proper remedy is to reverse rather than remand. If the board, if this court believes there is a path, if, if properly explained, then the proper remedy is to remand. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. We'll give you two minutes for rebuttal. Ms. Degnan. May I please the court? Lauren Degnan for Apple. Would you like me to start with the protrusions, or can I start with the parallel detectors? As you wish. Okay, so we'll start with the parallel detectors then. And the court's decision, the board's decision is supported by substantial evidence, and if we just look at the combination, which is Aizawa and Mendelssohn 2003, the one of skill in the art is presumed to know both references, and Mendelssohn 2003 has an explicit teaching that having two concentric rings is a design improvement with respect to power consumption and signal strength. One of skill in the art seeking to improve Aizawa would know about this benefit, and that benefit would allow um, would motivate him or her to make the combination and improve the Azaiwa sensor. Um, the board uh, cited evidence, including the teaching of the reference itself, um, as well as our expert, and that is substantial evidence sufficient to... And it explicitly talks about battery life. Absolutely, in that table one, Your Honor, that you, not that you noted. Um, and so that really should be the end of this particular challenge. Um, substantial evidence supports the decision. Unless you have questions. 
With respect to the protrusions, um, the board made a finding that is supported by substantial evidence that there is a finite number of design choices. And the board relied on our expert, which explained that. So what's the range? I mean, I, 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 have, a, you know, I have some reservations about this issue. I think it's hard because nothing was said. And the expert, you're right. The, I don't think their expert rebutted your expert saying there's a finite. But did he identify what that finite number of choices were? were? Right. So let me, let me address that because I, I do think that um, we have here is the application of KSR's design choice theory um, that is is not the most typical. So typically you might have literally one or two, put it on the top or put it on the bottom, and you've identified um, very specifically a concrete number of choices. Here, our expert and the evidence shows that you can define the finite number functionally. You know, it's based on um, the scale of these devices. And so Dr. Kenny explained that these devices are on the order of millimeters. And as a practical matter, um, there really aren't that many choices when you're talking about such a small area. But he did more. He also explained that given the competing concerns about comfort and having to still um, depress into the skin, that would define a finite number of choices well, that one has. Did he articulate what that finite number of choices was? He did not give a specific number to it, and we would submit that under KSR, which requires us to um, apply a flexible approach to motivation to combine, there shouldn't be a per se rule that says you have to identify a specific number. Again, I think the evidence that the board had and then found well, do you found. think it's just inherent or common sense that we would know what the upper limit was given the choices of comfort and all of that stuff that anyone would know that? I think that a person of ordinary skill in the art would know that. And I think that's the test, not whether us lay people would know. But um, what Dr. Kenny testified is that one of skill in the art would understand there were a finite number of choices, was not rebutted. Um, and the board relied on that testimony, and that testimony is, in fact, substantial evidence. It is not conclusory. He explained the parameters and why, again, citing some references showing the general scale of these wearable devices. And I, I take your point, Judge Prost. This is not like the other cases where you have a specific number or there's a reference that gives specific numbers for bounds. But this issue, design choices and the finite number thereof, is a question of fact. And through the lens that we have to uh, evaluate the sufficiency of the findings, substantial evidence, we think the board did enough here. Was there at least a statement to the effect of it was on the order of millimeters or something that like is, that? Is that exactly right, Your Honor? And I pulled the pulled the sites when you were asking about it um, so we can have them for the record. So in Appendix uh, 2425 through 2426, which is paragraph 147, our expert um, talks about on the order of millimeters, and he cites some corroborating evidence about the general sizes. As well, he says it again, because I think the citation you identified at Appendix 3624, at paragraph 64, he does also again talk about the 2 to 22 millimeters. And so this is not conclusory testimony. He is explaining why he understands the order of magnitude of these devices and the narrow range, the narrow acceptable design choices in order to accomplish the dual functions. And so it's not conclusory evidence. And this court has held correctly that an expert's opinion can be all that is necessary to um, affirm under the substantial evidence standard. 
If the court has no further questions, I will see the balance of my time. Thank you, Ms. Degnan. Mr. Lawson has two minutes. Thank you, Your Honor. Certainly we agree that there's not a finite number of choices, and certainly if there are, they haven't been identified in the record. And it's important to remember that when selecting a particular height, you're talking about selecting a particular shape for the lens. And Apple's expert testified there's a universe of potential choices. And so there'd be a consideration under the greatest curvature theory, where is that greatest curvature? Is it near a detector? Is it going to provide some increase in light? Now, I won't go into it in this appeal. The argument was that overall a lens would somehow increase light or concentrate light overall. But that's something that under Apple's petitions, a person of skill in the art would take into account when selecting a particular size. Also, they would take into account adhesion. And what Apple's expert testified at length was that to really understand the impact of a lens on the light, where the light is focused and concentrated, you have to engage in a complex ray trace analysis that Apple's expert never did in this case and that he actually hadn't done before. And you would consider many different factors, the location of the detectors, location of LED. You would consider location of corpuscles within the wrist. And all that a person of skill in the art would rely on in a process of trial and error, he called it, to arrive at a particular lens shape. And so none of that is considered by Apple's expert. We believe the testimony is conclusory, not supported. And so I will stop there. Thank you, counsel. Case is submitted.